Matthew chapter 18. Remember, if you would, in prayer, our services this Wednesday, 10.30 for prayer band, and then 11 o'clock we'll have the preaching service. We're in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. Covet your prayers as we prepare for that. And then next Sunday, uh, Brother Crowder will be preaching one time as well, so be in prayer for him. And we thank the Lord for your prayers for these services today. Amen. And it's been good to be here. Amen. It's been good. And I pray that if you don't have the blood of Jesus applied, that it'll happen very soon. Amen. Praise the Lord. And you'll be saved. There is no greater joy Amen. that you'll have than to be saved. Amen. And then I think the next is to see others saved and walking in the truth. It's a great joy. I can't describe it, but as you've heard, those who've experienced it, they agree with that statement. Matthew 18, want to read verse 15 down through verse 17. Our subject is love communicates when conflict arises. And we've noted what happened when conflict arose in the church and they had to they had to go to uh, they had their conference about whether or not circumcision was needed for salvation. Now we've been noting what happens when conflict arises between two brothers. And we noted uh, two Sundays ago, we noted that, that verse 15, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him everything he's ever done wrong in his life. That's not what it says. It says go and tell him his fault. Between thee and him alone, if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. We said there's two parts. And I use Frankie as an example. He was real gracious. I'll use him again. If Frankie's offended me, Brother Frankie's offended me, I go to him, I say, Frankie, here's what you've done. His only thing he's to do is to hear. He's not to say, well, you've done some things that, that have offended me too. That's what human flesh does. And you don't have to be in a marriage relationship to understand that either. But that's that pride of the human flesh is, well, you've offended me. Well, you've offended me. You know, it's almost like two wrongs are going to fix this. So I'm supposed to go to him. I'm supposed to go to alone. I'm not supposed to go tell Brother Crowder, Brother Dan, Brother Micah, uh, 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 Brother Sevy, all the people in the church, and then go tell Brother Frankie. I'm just supposed to go talk to him. See, we've the offended person. We we don't do what God says, and then we wonder why we don't gain the brother. Well, we didn't do it right in the first place, and so we're supposed to go to him, and his whole he's supposed to listen. He's supposed to hear what's said. And hopefully he'll repent. And then if he doesn't, we've got some commands here, verse 16 and 17. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. 
And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Now I want to kind of start at the end here just just for a minute. Do you see the seriousness? He's a heathen man and a publican. This is the seriousness of a personal offense. He's talking about to the church. You know what a heathen person is? They don't have any of the privileges of being a church member. The publicans were despised. They were looked down upon. Every church member here that Jesus is talking to, when He told them He is to be as a heathen and a publican unto you, they all understood how awful being a heathen and a publican was. They despised the publicans. These were some of the tax collectors. Levi, Matthew, who wrote this gospel, he was a publican. He was a tax collector. He was one who, he worked for the Roman Empire. Collecting taxes for Caesar, taxing the Jews. They despised them. And the heathen, that's somebody who doesn't even believe in God. And this is what Jesus tells his church here. If they don't submit to church authority, this is how you're supposed to treat them. People say, oh, that's terrible. That's the seriousness of this. People ought not to play around with these offenses. That is an encouragement to solve this between us two. Because if we escalate it, and we escalate it again, this is what could happen. So I want you to see here, I also want you to notice here, and people say, well, I don't think that's right. If you don't observe the rules of Christ, then you are put out of the church. You don't have the privileges of the church, do you? You don't have the fellowship of the church. You're barred from the ordinances of the church. You're barred from it. That's what it is. In society, if you don't rule, follow the rules of society, what do we do with you? Well, you lose your freedom. We put you in jail. Feed you baloney sandwiches. People say, oh, well, that makes sense. But then when it comes to a church disciplining somebody, oh, that's not right. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We had one individual at the church there in Caldwell. We, we had to discipline him. He hadn't been to church in months. And I'll tell you, when you don't come to church in months, and he wasn't providentially hindered, he was, he was so backslidden. That was his problem. But when you don't come to church willfully, why do you care if they discipline you for non-attendance? You don't want to be there. What do you care? And he was related to somebody who was related to the local doctor. And so, like, you know, a week or two later, you know, right on cue, I got a sinus infection. So I go into the doctor and he says, the doctor looks at me and says, so I heard you disciplined Eddie. I, I just, I, I goes, well, what business is it of yours? I said, you're not a member of the church. What do you care? Hey, so I was just curious. And the doctor, he was in the NRA, National Rifle Association. I said, you got rules for that NRA, don't you? He said, yeah. I said, what happens if you break the rules? He said, well, you get kicked out. I said, there you go. I said, we got rules too. If you don't follow those rules, you get disciplined. He didn't follow the rules. He goes, okay, that makes sense. 
when you sit back and you look at it, and this is the way it is, this is the most fair thing there is, isn't there? I mean, Christ does a great job. So I want to look at this here when conflict arises. So we've got two brethren, and there's an offense. And offenses are going to happen. They're going to happen. But because of love, and there's love for one brother for another, at least there ought to be, you're going to communicate that offense. And he goes to the one brother and it says, if he doesn't hear you, verse 16, but if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. Now, this is a biblical principle from way back in the Old Testament. Two or three witnesses. Well, I want to ask you, what's a witness? Well, a witness, the same thing Jesus Christ said throughout the Gospels, and He said it in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. He says, you're going to be witnesses of these things. Witnesses of my death, burial, and resurrection. I want to know two aspects about witnesses. And again, the whole point here is to gain your brother. That's the whole point. It's to reconcile one to another. The first thing I want to know about, I want us to note about witnesses, is he says here in verse 16, the purpose is that in the uh, he says, but if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. They're going to be true witnesses. So I go to Frankie and I take two brethren with me. I said, Frankie, I already came and asked you, talked to you about this. I explained to you, you did this and you offended me in this. And I got two witnesses here and all they're doing is observing. That's it. They are there to establish the matter. Every word. Now, Sometimes you show up with some extra people and people think you're ganging up on them. That's not what's to happen here. And remember, this is in regards to personal offenses. This passage of Scripture is not if you were out, you know, if you, you went and, and you violated, you committed adultery or, or, or you know, you're doing witchcraft or anything like that. that. This is not, you don't take two or three men. You just handle that right there. You don't need to go and warn them and all this stuff. You just censure them. Hey, this happened? Yep, alright. Church gun bow. This is a personal offense. This is something that's been done to me. When you commit something like that, you've committed offense against Christ and the whole body. So this is a personal offense. This is still a conversation between the offended and the offender. People ought to be real careful. If you get called to be a witness, I tell you, don't be a busybody. Don't be a busybody. Don't meddle. Just be a witness. Listen to what they're saying. Now I ask you, you know, you got a court of law, you've got different things, you got a witness, and you've got a judge. And those are two different things, aren't they? The problem is, I've seen this happen. The witnesses, they start intermeddling and they try to judge. 
That's not what they're there for. They're there to establish every work. Maybe Brother Crowder, he saw, he was there, and it happened when, when, when Frankie offended me, and so I say, Brother Crowder, you saw it, you were there, let's go talk to Brother Frankie, we'll take somebody else with us, we go over there, and, and we tell Frankie, this is what you did, this is what you said, and Brother Crowder says, Frankie, it's true, that's what happened. I was there, I saw it. Maybe that'll convince him. Maybe that'll sway him. Yeah, I saw it. It happened. You, you, you did it. And it's not a figment of his imagination. He's not being overly sensitive. I was a little offended that you said it to him. That'd be another type of a witness, wouldn't it? But what a witness doesn't do, I show up, I go, Frankie, and brought Brother Crowder, and brought, you know, Brother Sevy, we're here, and you know, you did this, and and then Brother Crowder starts in on him and says, yeah, you're not supposed to do that, and blah, blah, this, and blah, blah, that. You shouldn't have done that. Well, did you see it happen? If you didn't see it happen, why are you telling me you shouldn't have done something? That's not what witnesses do. I remember somebody, somebody once, there was a car accident, and I went over there to see how they were doing, asked them everything okay, and the cops showed up and said, all right, I need a statement. I said, I didn't see a thing. Because I didn't see a thing. I was there after it all took place. Now, if I'd have seen it happen, then I'd be a witness. So I want you to understand the difference. That's a lot of times, some of these witnesses, they take their BFF in church and they go over there and they double-team the fella. Another thing a witness can do, and this is when you need somebody who's real spiritual. Remember, if a brother be overtaken in fault, ye that are spiritual, you're supposed to restore him. You know what a witness can do? Again, go to Frankie. Frankie, you've done this. And Frankie says, yeah, I did it. And then, if you turn over to Proverbs 18, Proverbs 18, And I'll be honest with you, none of this is pleasant. None of it's pleasant. I don't enjoy conflict at all. Proverbs 18 and verse 17. And if you got a real spiritual individual who can go as a witness, notice here in Proverbs 18.17 it says, He that is first in his own cause seemeth just. So, you always think you're right, don't you? That's what that's saying. You know? You might go to your go to another church member and oh, I just know I'm right. Well, you take a real spiritual person with you and maybe they can reason out of Scriptures. Notice the second part of that. But his neighbor cometh and searcheth him. His neighbor comes over and searches it out. So I take Brother Crowder with me, and Brother Crowder, what's he do? He starts searching the matter out. Now, is this really what happened? Is this really what you did? Is this really what you said? 
Are you sure that's what happened? And they, they almost act as an arbitrator, don't they? Just a facilitator. I, I did it. I, I didn't think it was that bad. I guess it's bad. I, I, I'm sorry. Uh, there it is. That's over. Or, no, that's not what happened. Here's what happened. Well, he's saying this happened. Is that what really happened? Well, I, I guess so. I thought he did. this is what happened. So you got somebody who comes along and searches it out. They're not casting judgment. They're investigating, aren't they? And let's say they still can't get reconciled. Then the Bible says, now it's got to come before the church. You really want this to come before the church? I know some people, I've had people say, well, we need to talk about so-and-so. I said, okay, what, what, what have they done? Well, this is what they've done. I said, all right, I want you to go home and say that out loud and change names. So instead of this person, go home and say, and I've just come up with something to say, well, my wife won't shake my hand when I get to church. And you want to bring them up on charges? Are you for real? Because they won't shake your hand. Say that out loud. And see how ridiculous it sounds. Now, should they greet you in brotherly love in some fashion? You know, the Bible says we're supposed to kiss one another, greet you one another, the holy kiss. We quit doing that long before COVID. It's just supposed to be a greeting of love. Hey, brother, can that not convey love? Hey, sister, good to see you. Greet ye one another with a holy kiss. It's a greeting of love. So I want you to understand, do you really want this brought before the church? Can you not make an effort to fix this yourself? I have yet in my life, not just my ministry, in my life, to see something between two people brought before a church end well for anyone. I'm not saying it hasn't. I'm just saying I've never seen it. I'm glad God gave us these rules for when conflict arises. We wouldn't know what to do, would we? So it's to be brought before the church and this is the authority. This obviously deals with two members of the same church. I can't, I can't rightly go over to you know, Sefner's church if i got an issue with one of the members in the church at Sefner. I can't really go over there and say, well y'all, he's offended me, y'all need to take care of this. It's obviously dealing with a local church where there are two members of. But if he neglects the offended and he neglects the witnesses, then it's brought before the church. And this is it. This is whatever the church decides. Whatever the church decides, that's the end of it. In fact, Christ even said, verse 18, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, that they shall ask it, 
they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Now I want you to see this. God says, I'm going to honor what the church does. That's a great weight on the church. I know a lot of the, the Catholic church takes that way out of context and gives themselves blanket authority to do whatever they want. I want you to understand, God placed a lot of responsibility in His church. Amen. He's saying, you've got to judge rightly because I'm going to honor it. Whatever you bind, I'll bind. Whatever you loose, I'll loose. Some people, I'd just soon lock them in a Sunday school room for the next week. Say, y'all figure it out. Had a grade school teacher. She told me years later, I was growing up, married. She's my first grade teacher. She, she was, I had just gotten married. She goes, I got to tell you a funny. She said, I was married. We was having an argument. And I went home and told my dad. My dad says, come get in the car. And she got in the car with him and he drove and she told him all the problems she was having with her husband. And he put the car in park and she looked up and they were at her house, her and her husband's house. She said, what are we doing here? He said, you married him. Go in there and figure it out. I tell you what, some church members, y'all lock them in a Sunday school room and say, figure it out. You'll be fine. Figure it out. Quit being so offendable. Quit being so offensive. Have some grace and mercy and humility. Love one another. Love the Lord. Forgive one another. Work it out. But these are the rules for when conflict arises. Love communicates. And here's how we're to communicate when conflict arises in the church. Here's what God's Word says. So you go to someone and say, you've offended me. You know the Bible says a whole lot about how a soft answer turneth away wrath? Don't let your pride get all up. Like I said, don't go and tell him everything he's ever done wrong in his life to you and everybody else. And when someone tells you you've done something wrong, go say, oh, well, you've offended me too. That doesn't work in your marriage. It's not going to work in a church relationship. So when conflict arises, you think we can do that? You think that by the grace of God, if we've got something against somebody, we can go to them? And do you think if somebody comes to you that you can ask God for grace, that you can hear them? That you can hear them? And you think maybe we could do that in our own personal relationships, whether it's a husband or wife, or a child or a sibling? We could maybe have some grace toward people. If not, go pick up some stones and start pitching them. I mean, that's, the, that's, that's it, right? He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. Isn't that what Jesus said? What did they all do? They all put their stones down. And they all walked away because they all had sin. So when conflict arises, and you know, maybe let the, the, maybe let the anger kind of boil off, the, you know, 
kind of simmer down a little bit and go talk to somebody. And the whole goal is reconciliation. That's the whole goal. You're not there to bully somebody. You're not there to push them into a corner. You're there to reconcile. I saw I don't understand a lot of things that people do. You know, first thing that happens in some people's marriages is they say, oh, I want a divorce. It's like, you're supposed to be saved and God pardon you of stuff. Why don't you forgive them? Why don't you try to reconcile with them? Oh, no, I've got a right to divorce. Thank God God didn't say, I've got a right to destroy you in hell for all eternity. And He didn't try to reconcile. He didn't, he didn't seek reconciliation through Jesus Christ. Why don't we start acting like the Lord? To seek to reconcile with people. And on top of that, do you know what Christ did? For reconciliation, he did all the work. I mean, if if Frankie's offended me and I go to him, guess what? Christ did all the work. I offended him and he came to me and he provided forgiveness and pardon and the sacrifice for it. So if you've been offended, you really need to model Christ as an offended person. Not, I'm going to sit up here on my high horse because so-and-so has offended me and I'm going to hold, hold them under my thumb and look down my righteous nose at them for all eternity until they pay for it. Aren't you glad God didn't do that to you and me? Aren't you glad He sought reconciliation? Aren't you glad that He did this? And that how He handled it? May God help us. May may we have love for one another to be able to do that. Let's stand. We'll close in prayer this morning.